thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to pick it up from there. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. Everybody go there. Make sure you're ready with your paper, your pen, notebooks, and get ready to write. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle, please pay attention, everybody. Amen. Make sure you're, you get something tonight. Simon Peter is servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. To them that have obtained. I'm reading from King James Version. Obtained. Now, the word obtained, um, what tense is the word of, made of? Is it past, present, or future? Obtained. It's past. Is that not so? Obtained. E-D means it's something that has been done it's accomplished now what did we obtain because he said to them that have so he's addressing a them the them are a people or a breed of people that have obtained something and the meaning of the word obtain means to get or to have in possession if i call one of you and give you the ipad i'm using you have obtained the ipad true or false is the iPad with you? If you were to collect it, yes, it's with you. Is that not true? It's in your possession, so you've obtained it. You're not trying to get it. You already got it. Is that clear? Now, the Bible says we obtained something. And you must be aware of what you've obtained. Obtained like. Everybody say like. That word like is translated kind. Then he uses another word, precious. Precious means valuable. So two words are used to describe what we've obtained, and he calls it faith. Like precious faith. So it may say, I have obtained. Like precious faith. Hallelujah. Now, what have we obtained? Like precious faith. Is it very clear there? If somebody comes to you and says, what have you obtained? What will you say? Like precious faith. Faith. There's a reason why I use that term. How did we get the faith? Through who? The righteousness of God and our Savior. Who is he? Jesus Christ. So Jesus is described as the righteousness of God and our Savior. And that means the day you got born again, you obtained something from Jesus. And the devil doesn't want you to know what you got from him. Because he knows if you know, it will change your life. And because people don't know what they've obtained, they're still asking God to give them what he already gave them. Is it not funny for you to ask somebody to give you what he already given you? That sounds very strange. Is that not true? I mean, I mean if it, does it make sense to say, Lord, give me a leg so I can walk? It sounds like a spiritual prayer. Is that not so? Oh, God of heaven, Jesus of Nazareth, ancient of days, the only God that never lies, give me a leg. How does that prayer sound? Huh? How does it sound? It sounds strange. It's a foolish prayer. Because you are asking God to give. Oh God, give me a hand. Or give me eyes. 
Do you have an eye? Do you have eyes? So if you have something or you've obtained something, it does not make scriptural sense or biblical sense to be asking God to give you what he gave you. The Bible said Jesus is the righteousness of God. So we received this like precious faith from the righteousness of God and Savior. Who is his name? Jesus. We've obtained like precious. Now, the word like means kind or type. What kind of faith? Why is it precious? Because of the kind that you receive. It's called the God kind of faith. Go to Galatians 2.20 quickly. We need to settle this and I'll keep repeating that until you get it. What have we obtained? Like precious faith. Why is it called like precious faith? Why is it called kind and precious? Galatians 2 and verse number 20. Everybody go to the book of Galatians. Hallelujah. Are we there? Galatians 2 and verse 20. What does it say? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? By the faith. I live by the faith of who? Of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. So this, the scripture gives us a further description of the kind or like precious faith that we've received. Why is it called like precious faith? It's because the faith you and I receive when we got born again is called the God kind of faith. Is Jesus God? Yes, he is. So if you have received this faith, that means you've received the God kind of faith. Is that not so? Now I want you to say this three times. Say, I have the God kind of faith. Again. If you are not saying it, you're not going to get it. Say it again. I told you confessing the word helps you to program your heart. Say, I have the God kind of faith. So why is it like precious faith? Because it is the faith of Christ. So the day you got born again, Jesus gave you as a gift of grace. Faith is a gift of grace. Faith is a force of grace and it's also a gift of grace. So the day you got born again, you obtained. Say, I obtained. Jesus' faith. Say, I have the God kind of faith. So you don't pray for God to give you faith. Do you pray that? Do you pray that? That's the wrong prayer. Oh God, give me, help me believe. No. Somebody said, but what of that man that said, Lord, help my own belief? Listen to what Jesus answered him. You don't ask God. What, this is one prayer many believers keep praying, and they don't get it. Asking God to give you faith, it's a baseless prayer. God cannot answer such prayer because he already answered it the day you got born again. When you got born again, you obtained the God kind of faith. And what did we say faith is? The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let us paraphrase it the way we understand it. We've broken it down. Faith is the divine capacity to manifest divinity. Is that not so? Hello? Are you with me? Say with me, say faith is the divine ability to talk like God and to act like God. 
How many of you know that God is a faith God? And God is a God that operates by faith. Why do we need faith to relate with God? Because faith is a spiritual force. God is a spirit being. You don't see God with your physical eyes. How many of you saw God before you came here today? Did you see God? Maybe you went to the bank today and said, Hey, hi, my name is God. How are you? Did you see him? Oh, no. Neither do you see Satan with your physical eye. They are spirit beings. They belong to a superior realm known as the realm of the spirit. And I hope you know, according to the Bible, Hebrews 11.3, the spirit realm created this physical realm. How many of you know that? Because God, who is a spirit, spoke this material word into existence. And because he's a spirit, he also wants to relate with us in this natural realm. So in order for him to relate with us, he gave us an ability that can help us connect with him, relate with him, please him, and live for him, and it is called faith. Say that, say faith. Do you understand the power of faith now? That's what the Bible says, without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Faith is that divine ability, is a force that God placed in your born-again spirit. Where is the location of faith? Say my spirit. Faith is not in your head. Are you with me? Say faith is in my heart. Say that three times. Again. So where is faith located? In my heart. Say in my heart. That's what the Bible says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not your head. Your head operates by your five senses. And your five senses are faculties of your physical body that helps you relate with this natural realm. Your senses cannot relate with the spirit realm because it can't see it, it can't feel it, it can't touch it, it can't taste it, it can't smell it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? If I ask you, how does God smell like? How many of you can answer that? What of angels? How do they smell like? The reason is because the word smell is a faculty of your body. And you can only smell what your senses can connect with in the natural realm. So smell is something that is natural. Is that clear? And, and for you to be able to acknowledge and relate with that, God gave you the faculty to smell. For you to be able to see me, how many of you can see me? Are you, are you sure you can see me? How are you able to see me through the faculty of your eye? If you shake my hand and you feel my hand, you're able to do that through a sense called touch. Is that not so? They are wired to a part of your body called your nerves. Your nerves are like neurons. They, they are wired all over your body. That's why when you step on something sharp, your body pulls back. Because it automatically your brain tells you it can harm your body, so you pull it off. So when something is hot, your hand touches it, your body tells you through your senses that that thing can harm you, then that, there's that force. Is that clear? Are you with me? I'm saying this so you understand the difference between faith and facts. Faith is not based on facts. Faith is based on a different reference. Faith is based on the word of God. Say amen. amen. Why fact is based on the natural senses? You can, the senses work with facts. Facts are physical experiences that you and I can relate with through our senses. But your senses were not given to you to relate with God. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. That word please means know him, relate with him, and deal with him. You cannot relate with God with your senses. God is not someone you relate with by your feeling. 
See, I, I really don't feel like praying today. Eh, eh, eh. We don't pray because of how we feel. We pray because of what we believe. Say amen. And what we believe is based on what we know. Say amen. So we said faith is blind without the knowledge of the word. Is that not clear? So that ability of faith can only be activated and engaged through the knowledge of the word. Why? Because faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Say amen. So we know that that like precious faith is called the God kind of faith. Why? Because it is the faith of Christ. And we said something very powerful. That the faith of Christ we receive is that divine ability to manifest divinity. You know when Jesus said in the book of John, the works that I did, you can do also. Is that not so? Why? Because he gave you his faith. The faith of Christ that we obtain at salvation is invested with all the potential, the exploit, the history of victory. You see, that faith Jesus gave me and you was the faith with which he died. How many of you know Jesus died by faith? Oh, he died. Because faith operates by the word. Before he died, he said, hey guys, I'm going to die. They will destroy me. He used the illustration, destroy this temple, and I'll raise it up in three days. So Jesus said, I am, Jesus said, I wasn't killed. To men, they thought they killed me. No, he said, I laid down my life and I took it back. That's faith. And because he spoke the word of God, it had to happen that way. After three days, did he rise or not? Yes, he did. Because faith is based on what? The word of God. Say amen. Yeah. Say, me, say the substance of faith. You need to say it. Everybody say it. Say, it. say the substance of faith. The foundation of faith. The reference of faith. The template of faith is the word of God. Say that. Say the word of God. Amen. Say amen. That's why I can act. When I choose to act I'm, act, I'm acting based on what God, when the Bible says, be not hearers of the word only, but doers. How can you do? You can do by faith. Hallelujah. How do you do it? You do it by faith. How do you do it by faith? You do it or you action or you channel your action based on what God has said. Jesus said to Peter, Put your net on this side. Peter said, we have toiled all night. We have labored all night and we caught nothing. So physically speaking, by experience, nothing. He said, but nevertheless, at your word. That's what faith works on. At your word, I will let down the net. So the action of Peter was an action of faith because it was based on the word of God. And we have said that God honors faith. Say amen. amen. So if your relationship with the word is very poor, your faith will not be active. Your faith operation or your faith activity will also be poor. When you find people struggling to believe God for things, it's because their relationship with the word is poor. Is that clear? The, faith, the word of God is the substance and the power of faith. Without the word, faith can't do anything. So if you don't hear the word of God often, meditate on the word, have constantly here, get messages and listen and listen, then your faith has got nothing to work. Your intention is not strong enough. The fact that you want it is not enough. The, it, what matters is if you believe it. Do you understand what I mean? Did you hear what I said? 
It's not that you want it. The intention is intention doesn't speak in the spirit until it is complemented by faith. Did you hear what I said? Your, your intention, I, I, I want to do this. I want to do this business. I want to do that business. It, it's not enough. Hello? Your desire is not enough. It has to be substantiated or given substance by faith. That's what the Bible said. Now, Hebrew 11, 1, now faith is what? The substance of things hoped for. What are the word hope? Things you want, things you desire, your intention. I want a good job. I want to get married. Those are good. But it's not enough. But do you believe you can receive what you want? Do you believe it? If you don't believe it, that means you have a poor relationship and connection with the word. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So, if your connection with the word is low, then your faith cannot deliver your hope to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello. This is why many people don't make progress. You want to do a business, for instance, and it's a good desire. But I've, can you believe God for that business? If you cannot believe God for the business, you know, that business will not leave the floor. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I, for those of you who are into business, listen to me. Can you believe God for that business? If you cannot believe God, then that means your faith has not been properly aligned with what you desire. You go into a fellowship with the Holy Ghost, carry the word of God, meditate on the word of God. Are you listening to me? Until you can tie your hope to a scripture, faith will not answer. Did you hear what I said? It's not enough to say, I want to marry. Fine, that's good. I want a business, I want a car. But until there is a word from God's word that gives substance or body to what you hope for, it will remain a dream. And once it remains, and you know the problem with something that remains a dream in your heart? Bible says hope that defies or delays makes the heart sick. That's one reason many believers' hearts are sick. You know why it's sick? They have a poor culture with the word. They have a visitor's approach with the scripture. One minute they get very excited spiritually. They listen to the word. They study the word. Then the next three months they take vacation. Inconsistency with the word will affect the effective functioning of your faith. Did you hear what I said? Let me repeat that. Inconsistency with the word of God will affect the effective functioning of your faith. It will make God look like a bad person. It will make God look as if God is insensitive, that God doesn't care about where you are and what you are going through. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Let me also warn you, one enemy of faith. Everybody say, one enemy of faith. I call it the familiarity enemy. If God has used certain people to bless you before and help you, they can become enemies to your faith because of how you think. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because the people that God used are not your source. They are just a channel. Did you hear what I said? If you, if you shift in your mindset and see them as a source, you've introduced unbelief in that area of your life. So even if God wants to use them, he can't use them because you will block God. Unbelief is a blocker. It's a blocker to faith. 
That's why this thing, I, 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 want to, I wish the whole church was here to learn this. Because many of you are out there laboring with no faith at all. And wondering that the fact that you are working very hard is enough. There's a place for working hard. But if your faith area is not taken care of, your hard work will frustrate you. I wish it was only that. Then why the Bible says that um, in the, uh, Ecclesiastes 9, the race is not for the swift. Battle is not for the strong. If it's only hard work that we need, then you don't need Jesus, you don't need faith. Glory to God. Are you learning what I'm saying tonight? Go to Mark 11. Let's read what Jesus said. Remember the story that happened in Mark 11? Jesus was on his way to uh, it was coming from Bethany. I think it was going to Jerusalem. And uh, he saw a fig tree afar. Remember? Mark 11 from verse 12. He saw a fig tree, 12, 13. He saw a fig tree afar. And he thought that there were fruits in that fig tree. Are you paying attention? When they got to the tree, he found out that there was no fig there. There was no fruit. And he decided to use the tree to teach the disciple a vital lesson on faith and the operation of faith. So look at what Jesus did. Are you listening to me? Assuming this pulpit is the tree. Listen, the 12 disciples are all here. Look at me. Then Jesus stood here and he looked at the tree. He said, no man. Now nah, that's, that's very funny. No man. This is the fig tree. No man eat of you forever again. And the Bible said the disciples they heard it and he walked away. Let me ask you a question. When he said those words was there any immediate change in the tree? If it were there the disciples would have flagged it up. Is that not true? There was no immediate. I can imagine as they were going. Just use your imagination everybody. Jesus has gone far. This is me Peter. I'm coming after Jesus. You pass. Another disciple come. <laughs> That's how they pass. Twelve of them. Then guess what happens? Twenty-four hours later. That's in verse twenty. And in the morning, as they pass by, look at verse twenty. They saw the fig tree. Bam. Whoa. And the morning means twenty-four hours later. Is that not so? Yeah, about 24 hours later. Bless them, but almost 24 hours later, they saw the fruit. Whoa! What, why, why, what attracted their attention? They noticed there was a change in the appearance of the tree. True or false? When Jesus cursed it yesterday, or barely 24 hours, there was no immediate physical change. But 24 hours later, what he spoke reflected on the tree. So that means there were power in his words. One lesson you must learn is that faith releases the power of God. What did I say? Say that again. Say that again. Faith releases what? The power of God. That's why Satan doesn't want you to walk by faith. Because if you walk by faith, you walk by the power of God. And he has no answer. He has no reply for God's power. 
And so the disciples said, they saw the fig tree and from the roots. Everything was dry. Verse 21. And Peter, you know, he's the most vocal one. Calling to remembrance, he said, Master, look. Behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered, is dried. And Jesus told them what he did. Are you, are you with me? You know one thing I love about Jesus? He would tell them what he did and why he did it or how he did it. In this case, he told them how he did it. Verse 22. He said, Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. That means what you just saw me did is a faith action. Is that clear? Hello, are you with me? That means what you just saw me do is what? Faith action. I engaged the power of the unseen realm with the sin realm through my faith. That's what he was saying. Are you still with me? The power of God is spiritual. Not sin, but it can be effective or effectual in the natural realm. Even if you don't see it, doesn't mean it's not working. Hello? Hello? That's why when people get slain in the spirit, some of those manifestations of the spirit are just to help minister to some of us that the power of God is still real. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see somebody stand, all of a sudden person drops down. The only time that thing happened to me was when I fell into a vision. Not by your strength, because one minute you are standing, the next minute you are getting up. As I walk. That's the effect of God's power. So what Jesus said, have faith in God. He said, what you just saw me do is faith. It's a faith action. Then he tells them how he did it. Look at verse 23, everybody. He said, verily I say unto you, that whosoever, I like that word whosoever, because it is not reserved for a special class. He didn't say for pastors only or ministers only. He said whosoever. Whosoever is what? Anybody. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, he used a figurative expression for the fig tree. At this point, to Jesus, the fig tree was a mountain because he didn't give, it, he didn't give to him what he wanted at that time. So he spoke to it. If you say to this mountain, be thou what? Remove. In this case, he said die or dry. Is that not so? Or dry up. Or no man eat of you anymore. He said, sell to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall do what? He shall have whatsoever he says. Then he now takes it further to... Are, the, are you paying attention? Please listen, oh. He now takes it further to believe in the area of our desire. He said in verse 24, Wherefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire or you want or you hope for, that's another word for desire. Are you paying attention? Whatsoever things you desire or you hope for, when you pray, what does pray mean? When you engage God concerning your desire, believe that you do what? Receive them. What do you receive? Your desire. And you shall have them. And I said something to you. I said, notice that the word believe in verse 23 is mentioned how many times? Once. Hello? But it regulates what you say. Notice that the word believe in verse 23 is mentioned once, but speaking is mentioned three times. Is that not true? Whosoever shall say one, is that there? That, that, for I say unto you, whosoever shall say one unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says, the word said means says, 
Modern than English translation for said is S-A-Y-S. In King James, T-H is S. So when you hear the word said, it means says. All right? Shall come to buy, he shall have whatsoever he says. So that word says means speak according to what you believe in your spirit or in your heart. Say amen. Are you still hearing me? So speaking, say what me, say speaking. I'm not hearing everybody. I'm not hearing everybody. Say speaking is a major part of the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith is believing in the heart and speaking with the mouth. Say that with me. Say the God kind of faith is believing in the heart. Let's take it so carefully. Say it with me. Say the God kind of faith. I'm saying that because I want it to be registered inside you, to renew your mind. Say the God kind of faith I have obtained. One more time. Say the God kind of faith I have obtained. Believes in the heart and speaks with the mouth. That's what is there. So the God kind of faith oppressed by what? Believing in the heart and what? Then speaking with what? With your mouth. Say that. Say believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth. Go back to verse 23 again. Let's read something very powerful there. I want to show you. There's a word there which is very important to your believing. And I pray you don't let any distraction make you miss what I'm about to share. Because one thing I understand is that all the help you need comes from the word that you hear. Sometimes our attention is a problem. Make sure your mind and your heart is here. I want to show you something very important that is instrumental to operating the faith of God. Verse 23, let's look at it again. He said, For verily I say unto you, that whoever or whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt where? In his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. That means if I don't believe in my heart, what I say becomes meaningless. Is that not true? Is that not what he says? So, what will make me not believe in my heart if I doubt? Is that not true? Is that not true? One of the reasons many believers are not operating in the God kind of faith is because they doubt in their heart. And let me show you one of the reasons why they doubt. I pray you don't miss this. What does it mean not to doubt in your heart? Because if you doubt in your heart, you can't believe with your heart. To doubt with your heart means something else is happening to your heart outside the word of God. When people doubt, have you ever asked yourself, why do people doubt? What does it mean not to believe, not to doubt in your heart, but to believe that those things which you say will come to pass? Write this down. To doubt means to take side. Another word for side means position. When you doubt, you take side or position. Or you can use instead of side or position or stand. To doubt means to take side, position or stand against the word of God. When you doubt, you are taking a posture or a position against the word of God. When you doubt, and there are many believers who are dealing with doubts. When you doubt, you take a side position or stand against the word of God. Now, listen to this. Doubt is usually a product 
of shifting our focus from the word to our senses. Doubt is a product of shifting our focus. Focus means our attention from what the word of God to our senses, our five senses. And the devil will make sure he, he, he generates enough information. There are three things that are available to our senses. You and I all deal with that. And if we don't maintain our focus on the word of God, these three factors can become the ingredient for doubt. They are always opportunities for doubt. If you don't relate with these three factors based on the word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you relate with these three factors I'm about to mention, outside the word of God, you will doubt the word of God. Did you hear what I said? And if you doubt the word of God, you can't receive anything from God. Three factors that we must be mindful of how we relate with them or else they will become a recipe for doubt. What are those three factors? Are you ready for this? Everybody say with me, say my experience. I didn't hear you. Everybody say my experience. You know, some people talk about experience as if it's the best teacher. People say experience is the best teacher. No, it's not though. Experience is not the best teacher, especially when those experiences are based on lies. For instance, a girl has an experience, and, and you see that in Facebook a lot. You see the gullibility and the emptiness and the lack of wisdom of people in the way they handle what they call freedom of expression. They've turned it into insult and, and nonsense. You had an issue with a man. According to you, the man broke your heart. And because of that, you couldn't, you had a problem with trusting men. Then you now say, all men are beasts. Excuse me, what do you mean by all, do, did you meet all men? How many men, all the men on your street, do you know all of them? Have you dealt with all of them? Even if you were a prostitute, did you sleep with everybody? So what do you mean all men? Say all men are thieves. All men are liars. You see, Satan has a way of manipulating factors in the natural to sell a lie to you with the aim of introducing doubt into your heart. Therefore, you are a guy. You've had some few experiences with girls. Then you now feel you are a professor on girls. Say, don't mind girls. They're always like that. What do you know? Excuse me. If you keep talking like that for 50 years, you will marry. What do you know about women? Say, women are always... You may have known one or two, then you know, say, 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 you see me here, I know women very well. Excuse me, you don't know. Marry first, you will find out. So you need to be careful. Our, listen, you know the thing about experience, nobody's a professor. Write that down. When it comes to experience, nobody's what? Is a professor. Because everybody are having experiences every day. Some of you have some experiences every day. Now, experiences could be good. Could be bad, it could be ugly. Hello? True or false? Yeah. But if you don't deal with your experiences with the word of God, it will introduce doubt into your heart. There are many people because of negative experience, they don't want to serve God anymore. There's a statement I gave that came out of the inspiration of my heart. I said, when the way you serve, when when your serving God is affected by how people treat you. 
It only proves that you were not serving God in the first place. You were serving yourself. Because if how people treat you can affect the way you serve God, then you were never serving God in the first place. You know why? Because you were operating with an error in your experiences. You're thinking that how people treat you is what validates the way you perceive God and the way you serve God, which is a lie. So experiences are important. And, and, and hear me very well, it's, it's important to understand that. Some of them experiences can be good, some of them experiences can be bad, some of them experiences can be ugly. But you must learn to operate with the word of God to process your experience so you don't allow experience to be used as a tool to introduce doubt in your heart. Some of you are not attending this prayer meeting because you feel that when, when, when it closes, because in the first place I told you the prayer meeting was led by the Spirit. And I thought some of you will honor me and respect me to the point that if God tell our pastor we should pray, the best I can do is to obey God. But some of you want to want to pray. Maybe you just saw somebody that you thought should stay and the person goes away and you say, what of those? They are going now. Why will I pray if this person is going? Excuse me. Did you come to church because of that person? Answer me. Did you come to church because of that person? Are you here because of the person? That day when you will stand before Jesus, your pastor, I will stand there because me too, I will stand before him. We will give account of our individual. Christianity is personal. Even though we are a body, experience with God is personal. So you need to understand that. Because if we don't deal with our experience based on the word, Satan will use it to introduce doubt into your heart. The second factor, right, is that is education. Some of you feel you know. We all feel because that's what Paul warned us one thing about learning. He said, knowledge puffs up, but wisdom or love edifies. Why does knowledge pop? Because when you know and there's no character behind what you know, you feel this sense of superiority. You feel you're better. I mean, come on, just, just let's give a practical example. Oh, we all come to a place and they said, oh, meet Mr. Um, Jane. She's a PhD in, in English and mass communication. Uh, she's also a lecturer, blah, blah, blah. They meet uh, Paro. Uh, he just has school sat. And meet Ebenezer, he has masters. Excuse me. Except you know God. What did I say? Answer me now. Except you. Except you. Except you. You will not see three of us the same way. Am I lying? Don't talk to me now. Or, or a father sees his children. Meet Michael. Um, he's a, he has a degree in engineering. Meet uh, Joy. She's a medical doctor. Meet, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Nobu or Nathan. He just graduated from law school. Then meet, maybe you now, you, why you not great right? Uh, meet that one. Uh, it's my last son. Don't, don't worry about him, shall I? Just forget him. It's, it's my son, shall I? Uh, is he your son? Yes, leave, leave it. See this way. He said, Doctor, look, he's what, you will not want to talk about that one. Is it not true? Now, is education important? Answer, I mean, is it important? Very important. It, it gives you advantage. It gives you skill. It gives you opportunities. So, individually speaking, apply yourself to education. But is, is it education that determines value? No. How many of you heard of Rockefeller? Go and Google and read about his story. Rockefeller was not a graduate. But Rockefeller is the guy who started what later became three companies in the world. Texaco, Versi, Mobile, and Chevron. 
They broke his wealth down into three companies because the guy was very wealthy. He was in the court one day and the lawyer wanted to play the academics on him. When he asked him one question, you know what he said? He said, I don't have the answer. He said, why? He said, I pay people to do that. You and I know. How many of you have heard of Zuckerberg? I hope you know he didn't finish school before he started Facebook. I hope you know that. The reason he didn't finish school was not because they sent him to school and refused not to go. He had an idea and had enough creativity to follow it and get it done. Same with Bill Gates. Bill Gates is not a PhD holder. Go and study his academics. Because the whole essence of education is you're being able to use it as a tool to produce value. That's what education is. And there are some degree graduates that can't do that. But you need to be careful. Never you, if you don't use the word of God to relate. Because Jesus, do you know, if you read the Bible, there were people of the law, intelligent people, doctors of the law that followed Jesus everywhere he went. They wanted to listen to him. We know that this guy doesn't have a PhD like us. He doesn't have all the kind of degree that we have. But when he speaks, there's something about his words. And they wanted to hear him. Doctors of the law. But be very careful, brothers and sisters. Education cannot give you purpose. Education cannot give you fulfillment. It can give you skill. It can give you advantage. It can create opportunities for you. But education is not what helps you fulfill purpose. You need to interpret education in the proper light according to scripture or Satan will use that to introduce doubt into your heart. There are certain people they can't believe God in an area because their education is speaking there. They believe they, be, they have skills. They are very smart. People should listen to them. <laughs> people should listen to you. You forget that there are things like called devil, demons, forces of darkness operating to make sure things don't work. Do, have you ever said, cast that devil by your intelligence before? Say, sit down, obey to me. Don't you know I'm very skilled? Live here now. It won't answer you. Are you listening to me? And finally, the third thing you must be very careful to deal with so that Satan doesn't use that to introduce doubt into your heart in situation. What did I call it? Or circumstance. That's what happened to Peter. Jesus said to Peter, come, and he was coming, but he took his focus away from Christ and started evaluating the circumstance. There are many of you, you know why you can't believe God? Because you've used your eyes to analyze your life. Analyze the clothes you have as if clothes is destiny. Analyze the money you have in your account. Analyze the kind of job you have. So here we are talking about a project that is going to cost us millions. And I say, let us give towards that. Hey, you just, hey. Oh, pastor. Mm. It don't come again. Yeah. He no no say now 15K that they pay me for the end of the month. 15. That's a person who has been infected with the virus of a situation. He no even knows I don't get a job. What are you doing? You are allowing your situation to frame you. God just wants you to be yielded to him and available. But because of your perception about your circumstance, you took your eyes away from Jesus and you started analyzing the factors. What's happening to Nigeria? What is the current exchange rate for dollar and pound sterling? By the day you, have, you do traveling, all the, you will come with loaded doubt. And you cannot believe God. You can't. You will trust say believe God. Which believe God? You know, you say things they happen here. They say there's COVID. Look, could they be careful now? Look, could they be very careful now? <laughs> because you are someone whose situation, the enemy has used situation to administer doubt. So you can't believe God for impossibilities. You can't. You can't. 
You can't. Hear me. Hear me. As long as we doubt, we cannot believe with the heart. Doubting makes us stagger at the promise of God. The word stagger means to waver like this. You're not, you're not focused. Doubting makes us stagger at the promises of God because it produces a double-mindedness in us. When you doubt, you, you become two-minded. And God doesn't deal with two-minded people. We, we hesitate. Everybody say hesitate. In, do you know what it means to hesitate? It means to stop, to stall, to wait. You will not move anything because doubt will make you hesitate. And once you hesitate, you're not going to take any action that will change your life. And do you know you can hesitate for one month? You can hesitate for six months? You can hesitate for one year? You can hesitate for two years? That's what, doubt will keep you immobilized. Just stay in one place. You won't make any move. You won't move. You'll be coming to church, oh, but you're in one place. Before this church started, I remember when God said, oh yeah, time to start. I was analyzing many factors. Then he said something to me I will never forget. He said, son, as long as you consider your hesitation, you will never step into your possibility. When he said that to me, I broke through that. And I just launched out. And anyhow. And once you take a step of faith, then you will see God. Hallelujah. Because faith has to be one-mindedness. Amen. Doubt produces hesitation. We hesitate when we are double-minded because we are not sure. Doubt produces hesitation. James chapter 1. I think I should stop. Almost stop there. I'll soon be stopping. James chapter 1, everybody. James chapter 1, verses 6. I should probably close by 7.15. James chapter 1, verse... Are you learning anything? Are you sure? James chapter 1, verse 6 to verse 8. I'm going to be reading from New King James Version. So it's slightly bit different, more modern than the traditional King James Version. But let him ask in faith without, with no doubting. Bible says if you're going to ask, ask in what? Faith. And faith is based on the word of God, what God has said. You must learn to marry the word of God with your expectation. Or else you cannot ask in faith. If you allow your situation, your education, and your experiences to influence what you want to ask, you will not ask in faith. You will overprocess it and you will find it difficult to trust God. Because you think that when you ask, it is your pocket and your salary that will provide what God wants to give you. Some of you cannot think outside your salary. So your salary in itself, even though it's good, has become a prison. So you can't sow seed. Because you know you've already planned and planned yourself the way it should be. Say even God understands. So you now use your seed. One of the things that will introduce your life is stinginess. You become stingy. Things you should do, you will not do. Because you say, after all, I know my situation, I don't have a job. Even when you are blessed with money, that you can be liberal and do some things. And give and be liberal and make a difference. You will not do. See, after all, they know, say, I not get work. Hello? Have you heard people talk like that before? I've always told people this. No matter the situation you find yourself, there's always a seed in your hand. A seed that will bring the harvest out of that situation is always in your hand. Say with me, say my miracle is in my house. 
when that widow came to uh, Elijah, he said, your prophet, oh, your son in the Lord, he don't die. He did owe plenty of people. They won't collect my picking as payment for his debt. He said, what do you have in your house? You might say, what? I don't have anything. Just one small pot of oil. Say, that's enough. Bring it. Faith makes what looks like insignificant to become limitless in the hand of God. That's what faith does. In your stingy state, God will say, okay, buy 100 naira recharge card for that person. Say, God, you know, say, I don't get salary now. They just dash me the money. <laughs> you know, I didn't manage myself. That's why you are still there. Because when supply passes you, with that supply comes an opportunity for you to break the cycle, but you will not break it, you will stay there. Am I making any sense? He said, verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by what? The wind. Have you seen troubled water before? Boo, boo, boo. It's caused by wind. Something is making the water unstable. It's the wind. That's what makes waters. Waves. Wind is what makes waves. Verse 7. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8. For he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. When people doubt, they become what? Double-minded. Did you hear what I said? When people doubt, what happens to them? When people doubt, they, what happens to them? They become double-minded. And I'm going to make a statement which will continue next Wednesday. Abraham demonstrated that through faith that we can overcome doubt by keeping our focus steady on the promises of God. Abraham showed us that through faith we can overcome doubt. So next service, I'm going to be talking about how do we overcome doubt? Okay. Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message.